Hey everyone, it's Frankie, and boy have I had an interesting day. Ooh, let me tell you all about it. We were miles up in the air, fighting a dragon while standing on a train? And we were kicking his big red ass, let me tell you. He managed to knock Flynn off, though. And for a split second, he was in a lot of trouble. I was pretty worried. Don't tell anyone that. But Murphy, he told the A-Sisters what was happening, and the administrator caught him right in the nick of time. Oh, my life. It's us and the Holy Servants. Who didn't stand a chance. I was thinking about sending him home. But it took him out for approaching the city and breaking some truce they had. Poor guy. I thought maybe I could have helped him. He was just hungry. Anyway, we got invited to dinner with Silver, and there was some pretty intense dinner drama, and we found out the Emperor, he's been dead for two years, and our city has no one ruling it. Things are getting pretty sticky around here, but don't worry, your boy Frankie's gonna fix everything. I just need to figure out how. Good everybody, and welcome to the Terrible Adventures of the Janison Breffitt's Parchment Company, episode 50-5-0. Yeah, we uh, officially have reached a half century uh, doing uh, JBPC episodes, that so is that is crazy. wicked. <laughs> so close, and then we can stop doing this. <laughs> my name is Penny D, I'll be your DM today, and my celebrity husband, okay, I'm cheating a little bit, because I know they're not like a movie star, but it's Dave Grohl. Oh, nice. oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, matter, no matter what Dave Grohl is doing, I will participate in it. I'll watch it. I'll listen to it. Apparently, he's just the super nice rock star. He's also in a ton of movies and stuff and like plays characters and he played the devil in the Pick of Destiny and that. But my celebrity <laughs> husband. Did he? Yeah, he plays the devil in the Pick of Destiny. I need yeah. to watch that movie. I didn't know that. It's actually not bad. It's quite funny. It. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, my celebrity husband, Dave Grohl. All right. Hi, I'm Poppy. I play Ida for the Tiefling Rogue. And and my uh, celebrity husband would be Pedro, Pedro Pascal. Nice. Pedro Pascal. He has only just taken over Henry Cavill because I watched The Last of Us. And yeah. he was fantastic. Is it good? It's so good. Cool. Like, in terms of... of it's just in terms of series in general, but it's really like, because you know how all video game movies suck? Yeah. This one doesn't, well, this series doesn't. Anyway, Pedro Pascal. Solid choice. Good choice. Hi, my name is Stephanie, and I play Frankie, a human art user, and my, I was going to say my human, uh, <laughs> my celebrity husband would have to be in Cavill. Nice. Oh, yeah. He always has been. Keeping yeah. it classic. Keeping it classic. Very nice. Um, and not just because of his looks, but also he is also very nerdy. He's a proper nerd as well, eh? Proper like nerd. Warhammer. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he does have also anxiety. Uh, his <gasps> dog is a sad, yeah. emotional support dog as well. So I'm like, you know what? I can vibe with that. <laughs> it's kind of nice to know that Superman has some anxiety. Yes. We, can all, we yeah. can all kind of vibe with that. Hi, I'm Nathan and I'm playing Flimbar the Halfling Bard, your favourite salesperson. 
uh, sometimes sale person. <laughs> so I am old school. I have long-term attachments to people. So um, back in the day, during the Roswell era, uh, played by uh, playing Max Evans was Jason Beer. So throwback to that time frame. But also, Poppy, you reminded me, he played Frank in The Last of Us, but Murray Barlett. I always oh! say his last name wrong. But I've uh, since like he was in Tales of Cities, and he's just like if if Jason Beer was like my husband, Murray would be like my man side isn't piece. he gorgeous he's so freaking lovely oh. and delicious and oh an australian oh, yes i and love an australian accent <laughs> so i really good. do those trap anyway he's my side piece <laughs> damn if we're doing my throttle if we're doing side pieces i've got two as well <laughs> Look, ever since i watched the princess diaries and nobody really stood out to me and then a couple of years later, I watched The Princess Diaries 2. I've always been a Chris Pine girl. How appropriate for today's day and age playing Dungeons and Dragons. In, <laughs> in The Battle of the Chrises, he's always been my number one. Always been my number one Chris. I like how, like, kind of, you know, he's kind of the underrated Chris, I think. He is the underrated Chris. It, like, no one brings like up that. Chris Pine if they bring up the other Chrises. It's because he's not one of the Marvel superheroes. That's so right. Yeah. Like in a group together. But he seems lovely. He seems really nice. And in all of his recent interviews from the D&D movie relevance he's just he just seems like he's really puts himself into his roles and he really enjoys doing stuff and he likes having a good time and he keeps talking about how much he thinks dungeons and dragons is cool and i'm like yeah awesome i love that guy but also jack black is my side piece nice Mm -hmm. (laughs) well if we're allowed side pieces i think the three of us can go yeah (laughs) shout out to nick offerman oh my god he's such a sweetie Yeah, it's been it's been five minutes since <laughs> men had all the attention. So congratulations <laughs> to all the men for being uh, actually nice Hotties. dudes. Yeah, well done. <laughs> so it's episode fifty. We just killed a dragon. We did some other stuff. This isn't a man podcast. This is a DD. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't this isn't a thirsty thirsty thirst podcast. This is a DD <laughs> podcast. Do you guys want to play some Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah. Yes. I was gonna say I'm gonna talk about men more. <laughs> 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 just kidding, I wanna play. <laughs> It's midwinter now. Ooh. The city is covered in snow. Winter woolly stalls have popped up out of nowhere. Everyone's draped in scarves and mittens as they go about their business. The Warforge guards are doubling up with snowplow duty, keeping the streets clear for the carts and carriages. And in Karen Stonecutter's warm, well-decorated living room, a long-promised dinner party has just taken place. Party? How was the party? What did you bring... Uh, you know, who'd you bring with you? What would you bring for the potluck? A potluck is a little bit... Uh, it was more like, if you wanted to bring anything else, you could have. Because Karen hosts like a demon. What, what did you bring for a... Uh, if you want to bring a plate? <laughs> but not necessary. Not necessary. But everything everything was fully catered. But there's a little bit of room for experimentation within the dishes. So, like, we brought our families. Is that what happened? If you want, you bring you brought whoever you wanted to. Yeah. Did you bring the assassin? No. Oh my God. <laughs> Sorry, Adifa, did you bring your mum and dad? Yeah, I did actually. And my mum, like, we all walk up to Karen together. And I hand Karen this really nice, like, green bean casserole. Nice. That my mum made. Oh. I'm like, it's actually really good. Even <laughs> though it's vegetables, it's delicious. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's fantastic. Thank you so much. All of you, please come in. Flynn, who did you bring with you? 
Oh, I bring Cassie. Nice. Oh, cute. Oh, <laughs> forgot about her. Did you bring uh, Nimbus with you? I did as well. <laughs> yes. So you bought yep. your butler and uh, yep. your platonic lady. That is the yeah. most like, um, and wealthy I, thing. Eh? And I for <laughs> my other platonic. Um, and I also brought a three-tier cake, and one side of the cake is like perfectly like presented, and the other side is like kind of like a 12 year old decorated it oh because you decorated that side. yeah Flynn's like really proud that he helped decorate the cake <laughs> his mum sent a cake on his behalf and I was like I'll help because it's for my friends <laughs> she's um, a great job Flynn yeah and you can see where she's tried to like blend the pieces in like she's tried real hard to be like good, good job <laughs> and even Nimbus is slightly embarrassed but proud like as he carries it <laughs> Frankie who did you bring with you and did you bring anything to eat Frankie brought his sisters because you know they, they deserve a little and Frankie didn't bring a plate because you didn't read that time of the <laughs> <laughs> um, So Frankie didn't bring food. You just like emptied his pockets of some old sandwiches and like tucked oh. them onto the like club sandwich plate. They got quickly spirited away by Karen. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> so the scene that we're going to do is a little bit after the party. Uh, you know, we've all finished eating. Everything's been cleared. We actually had a really nice time with you know our loved ones all mingling with each other. No mention of magic or dragons or you know deceased emperors. It was just nice people having a nice time together and actually enjoying one another's company in just a regular, normal way. But at the moment, the kids, the parents, Flynn's butler Nimbus, you know all the <laughs> dates and everyone who we've brought with us have retired to the living room to play games and drink wine near the fireplace. Ooh. And so Karen, Flynn, Frankie and Idafa have moved to the kitchen to help with the dishes and clean up um, and to talk together with a little bit of privacy. Mm. Uh, just as a time frame, this is probably about uh, seven days since uh, since the dinner at the uh, at the palace. So who's on washing and who's drying? I'm definitely drying. And he's doing it really bad. I feel like Frankie and I don't want to like rock, paper, scissors. No, we can do that if you want. Yeah, yeah, but I, I feel like Ida would have somehow cheated. Not, yeah, and then Frankie would have noticed and said, we bad at rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> or whatever the D&D equivalent is. <laughs> uh, and Frankie would have lost, and he's trying his best to also just wash without like dropping the plates. Because you know when you're washing, Aww. it's all slippery. Uh, China. But you know, so he's just. Is Karen it. terrified? Karen's watching this with interest, actually. She's she doesn't. She didn't use the best china then. No, she did not use the best china. She's a pretty good cook, um, but she doesn't spend too much time washing up. So she is watching with interest to see what you two do. I imagine that's probably Barry's job, like cleaning up the kitchen. Oh yeah, yeah. his that husband. (laughs) Yeah, and she's like, no, 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 go and relax, darling, go and relax. And he's going to come in later, and he's going to be like, I need to redo all of these dishes. Uh (laughs) Yeah. I wish it could have gone a different way with Fedor. Uh, he kind of, like... Uh, he brought it upon himself. Pretty much, yeah. Probably knew their rules and laws around the... Oh, he sh- totally did, yeah. That's why Riki was so, like, he was like, all right, I'm gapping it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know it's, I know it was part of their laws, and but I don't know. I, I, feel like, I feel like it was a bit of a waste, you know? Yeah, mm. I get that. This problem with the weave keeps these incredible magical beings powerless and frightened i don't like it something's got to change i just don't know how to change it yet what are our thoughts around uh finding the the stray sister 
I don't oh, even, we got her. We've got... I don't even know where to start. Yeah. Well, I did suggest putting up, like, a private tutoring job. Did you do it? You've had you've had a week. <laughs> <laughs> did you do it? <laughs> no, I haven't done it yet. I haven't got very good handwriting. We could use the printing press. I sent word to my sister in the hives, but she hasn't heard of anything. So I feel pretty confident that... That nothing's happening down south. Does Murphy have any leads? I know he's got a lot of contacts with his uh, underground business. He says no. Actually, is is Murphy here? That's up to Frankie. Yeah, like I'd have been like, hey, Karen's having this dinner party and you're 100% totally invited. I'm sure she's not lying. Roll me a persuasion check. <laughs> 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 That's a big one. It was a bit domestic for him. You asked him if he wanted to hang out and he was into it. But then when you said that, you know, your entire family and everybody else's families and Flynn's butler and everyone was going to be there, <laughs> it was a little bit too domestic for him. Um, and he <laughs> made up an excuse. He didn't want to hurt your feelings, but he's not here. Oh, oh. got a little bit too serious for him. A little bit too quick, huh? Wow. Ida's like smiling like to himself, just like... <laughs> oh, you chuck. <laughs> But anyway, you guys are talking about all the stuff um, and you hear a knock oh. uh, on the kitchen door and uh, Barry has come in. Mm. Obviously, you made your pact to be more honest with Barry. Mm. So he knows what you guys have been up to. Mm. Um, and he comes in and he's sort of um, you know, wiping his hands on a towel and he, he's like, hey, I just wanted to check that you guys are all okay. Oh, Bezza! Oh? Okay. Did that, did that <laughs> dragon hurt you guys? Nah, nah, nah. We're all good, man. How are you doing? I mean, I did fall and get and get and get eight damage. Nah, nah. You're fine. <laughs> Flynn was fine. Eight, eight damage, you say? Damn. They're 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 getting better. We're getting there. What's um, what happened to the dragon? Like once upon a time, the emperor would have mounted it up in the city center as like a display of his power but if it wasn't for you <laughs> guys funny display of power. not mounted it like put it up on the wall <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's why he didn't last as emperor but like if it wasn't for karen i wouldn't have heard about it at all so well i presume the officials wanted to keep it very quiet but i'm not entirely sure where it ended up actually yeah the the wolf was took it away we saw it dragging it away and that's kind of it <laughs> the yeah. dragon got Dra- dragging yeah, it away dragging the dragon. also mr onagon i was wondering if i could get you to hold on to this and he picks up like an entire like chicken carcass and then he picks welby out of it oh. uh, and like, <laughs> someone's gonna see this so maybe you should hold oh on welby to it. oh good boy <laughs> oh welby Welby, you should have well be. eaten the no, carcass. No, <laughs> Thank you, my dear. You can crunch the chicken bones, but you just have to be careful. He's no, no, very no, no, fr- no cooked bones. Oh, no cooked bones. He's very friendly. Oh yeah, I thought he was gonna bite me, but he, I, he sent me a little picture in my head that was mm-hmm. a picture of you. So, who's to say? It was a threat. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> can you imagine? I'll sit Karen on you. <laughs> <laughs> And so uh, after dinner, you guys pack up your families and your kids and your dates and your butlers and you each... (laughs) Put it in my suitcase. And you each head out into the snow toward home. Idafer, can you please roll me a perception check? Sure can. It is a 21. Nice. Ido, you're on your way home. You're kind of trailing behind your parents a little bit, as teenagers want to do. They kind of walk by themselves. Yeah, we do. Um, (laughs) You're burying your face in your scarf. Um, When you happen to just look to the left... And you stop in your tracks. Not three doors down, a little side street, you can see Amnity. He's leaning up against the door and he's like stretching. 
Oh my he's god. He's like, you know, he's, he's stretching out his hammies and like what? kind of warming up his body a little bit. He just looks like he's preparing for something. Great. Hey, hey, mum and dad. Um, I am just gonna nip in and see a friend who lives just down here. I will be back home in a little bit. They, they're fine with that. They, they know that you can take care of yourself. So they, they, they carry on by themselves. Sweet. All right. As soon as they're out of view, I go up to Amity. I'm like, ah, uh, hello. Oh, h- hello, Idafer. This um, this might not be the best time. Wait, this wasn't a planned visit. I'm sort of in the middle of something right now. Do you think we could uh, talk later? Uh, and on the other side of the door that you're like standing outside, you hear a shattering glass and a bunch of people shouting. Oh. And he's like, ah, sounds like we've begun. Come on then. Oh, oh okay. And Amity burns two Electrum coins and casts a spell on the door, which swings open and reveals a chaotic scene. Uh, inside of the house, it's not actually a home. It looks like a home from the outside, but it's like a hollowed out warehouse on the inside. And what you can see, there's several mafia goons who are fighting with a grizzly bear with a big white stain on its face. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and when he steps forward, his hand's crackling with purple lightning. And he says, um, be a good lad and give us a hand then. Oh, of course. And I bring out um, my my comments back up and my sickle. Cool. And I feel like this isn't actually, it's not meant to be like a fight scene, is it? So I can just say that I kicked ass. Yeah, we're, we're basically <laughs> we're going to do a little scene where you can do some cinematic moves, but I'm not going to make you roll. Nice. nice. Hell yeah. Uh, in the room, there's like a dozen or so, you know, like classic mafia guys with the cheese cutters and the suspenders. Uh, and a, a bunch of them are fighting this enormous grizzly bear. <laughs> there's like bear. a horse head somewhere for some reason. <laughs> like the first cool thing that happens is Amity levitates like three of them in the air and Mole just like barges them straight into a wall like just rams them in uh two humans charge at you at the same time from either side how do you deal with them okay so what i'm gonna do is i'm going this is just with theatrics just with theatrics do whatever you want um (laughs) i'm gonna like quickly transform into a bunny so that like as they're running towards me from either side, they smash into each other. Oh, very nice. <laughs> when I'll go down. And they probably stab each other too, because if they're both coming at you with weapons and you like suddenly gone, they would stab each other. Nice. <laughs> so yes, that's how I dispatch them. Do you turn back into Idafa after that? What else is happening? At the moment, Amity's turning one guy into a mouse and then Mole eats him. Oh, there's a bear. <laughs> is uh, there anyone else? Yeah, there's four guys all rushing you all at once. Okay, sweet. Just in a big group? Yeah. Okay, so they're all running towards me. Yeah, as a bunny. Mm, and I'm a bunny, and I'm just standing there, like, looking at them. They come towards me. I go through the legs of the guy directly in front of me, and I jump up to, like, kick him in the back. But as I jump up with the power of a bunny, I turn back into Ido to have a kick with the power of a human. Oh, well, or Tiefling, I should say. Sorry. So I kick him, and then there's these other three guys, like, what the hell? And then <laughs> I just swipe at them with my sickle. I, I imagine I hope this isn't too brutal because sickle is hook shaped yeah so I'd put it around the neck of someone one of them just got eaten by a bear so yeah and then just kind of like swing around their neck to get the other people with my other sword that's amazing that's <laughs> so cool that guy's super dead <laughs> a wall of fire burns across the room uh, which causes several goons to jump out of uh, the broken window that the grizzly bear made and then there's only one guy left it's a muscular looking half elf wielding a large like big two handed hammer uh, Amity steps forward and goes to zap him with magic, but then he stops himself and he turns to you, Idafer, and he says, "He's all yours." <gasps> oh, thanks. 
he's he'll be taller than me. Yeah, big guy. Okay, why don't you start off the roleplay as this okay. fella? Big guy steps forwards and like goes through a big overhead swing with the hammer, so coming like over and down towards your head. Okay, I'm gonna like crouch down. I'm gonna use my sickle to grab his calf. Okay. And like hook oh, myself yeah. closer to him, so I get pulled out of the way of the hammer. Okay. Roll me a. This feels like a tricky thing, so I'm gonna say a sleight of hand check. Thank this you. This feels like a like a tricky move. Mm, that's a good attack. Uh, twenty-two. Yeah, nice. You, you absolutely do that, and the hammer like comes down behind you and like crushes through the floorboards where you were a minute ago, and you you have like cut this guy's leg a little bit, um, but then he's gonna use the the handle of his hammer to um, try and butt you in the face because you're down sort of at like uh, waist height for him, so yeah. he's gonna like bring it forwards and try and stun you by hitting you in the nose. Okay. I'm gonna try and use the sickle to like pull myself through his legs, like kind of do a bit of a slide through his legs. <laughs> and then I am going to, I think just while I'm going through his legs, I'll use my rapier to just stab upwards. Can you just roll me a athletics check? Nat 20. Nice. <laughs> that was very convenient. Yeah, that is, um, that is pretty awesome. You, uh, you do exactly what you just described. Yes. I uh, do some really cool like sword play and acrobatics play um, and you manage to like completely put this guy down and you look over at Amity and he is really impressed. Oh. Amity's kind of out of breath but he moves swiftly to the back room where he peels back the rug and there's like a trap door with a bunch of locks on it and he he um starts to get to work casting spells on each of the locks um and then Mole who's no longer a bear he approaches you and he's like nice job. <laughs> I'm glad you joined us. Thanks, Mole. <laughs> like, I, I know, he's he's past the point now he can't pretend that he's, like, all cool with it and stuff. He's just so excited. And he's so glad that he was able to impress these two. It's just, oh. Uh, Mole, like, pats you on the shoulder and then transforms into a, a little terrier. Um, and he trots off back out the way you came <laughs> oh towards God. the door. And uh, Amity, like, looks up at you, watching him, and he nods towards the locks, and he's like, oh, you're good with um, locks, aren't you? Sure am. Give me a hand? Absolutely. So you roll me a couple of uh, checks with your thieves' tools to unlock some locks. Okay. How many locks are there? Uh, let's say you got to do four while he does the other four. Okay, sweet. Um, I'll quickly roll these so we can, like, pepper them through the conversation. So I got 12 for one of them, 16 for another, 13... And a 23. Cool. Thanks very much. All right. So while I'm, I'm working through those locks, I'm like, so... And he kind of blanks a little bit because he's got like a whole bunch of questions on his mind. But I think because we've been talking about the academic, that's kind of the first thing that comes to mind. So he's like, have you heard of this? Actually, I should probably ask, do you know about these like sisters and all their names begin with A? Are you talking about the uh, the holy servants? That's the one. Yes. Okay. Good. You do know about them. Do you know anything about the academic? A little. She's uh, the smart one. Do you know where she might be? No. Oh. Okay. I know she's not around here anymore, but um, we haven't spoken in a pretty long time. Oh, okay. I also wanted to ask about poet. Like, what is your actual relationship with him? Oh, I, I don't know him that well uh, he's a servant of master speck we've met roll me a persuasion check nine look the only thing that i really know about him is that he made a big sacrifice oh he sold his soul to a creature beyond this world interesting has he got anything to do with my parents 
<laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I really don't know him that well. Okay, that's alright. I guess I'm just kind of like, you know, on this journey to find out more about my birth, but... Uh, the only other thing I really know is the reason he sold his soul was to protect someone whom he thought was precious. But yeah, I'm kind of just on this journey to figure out what happened to my parents, because while I love my current parents, you know, I think everyone... I want to know what, what the deal is. Do you know? You got any insights for me? Because I feel <laughs> like you probably do. Mm. The thing about these kinds of questions, Idafer, is that once you know the answers to them, you can never unknow them. I don't think you're ready. Oh, uh, I... I'm pretty confident that there are spells out there that could get rid of the information. Mm. So if I didn't like it, I'd just ask someone to get rid of it, but, you know. He kind of looks at you up and down a little bit, and he he says, um, I know your mother quite well. Haven't seen her for a long time. I don't think it's my place. Yo, she not dead? I just kind of assumed she was dead. I assumed both my parents were dead. I think if I told you today, I would break your heart. Probably. Alright then. That's such a teenage response. <sighs> well, he's kind of a bit frustrated, right? Like, he yeah. just wants to know because, you know, he thinks that that's all he wants to know. But anyway, um, he finishes the last lock and he's like, alright, <clears throat> what happens next? Uh, so Amity also finishes his locks. Um, something weird happens. Can you just roll me a d20? 11. Something really weird happens is that the uh, he goes to pull up the trap door and there's a click and then in your head you're like oh shit because an explosion comes out of the trap door but then Amnity kind of like says no and he twists his hands around and it actually wasn't an 11 and it was like a 25 uh, and you look up and you realize that like no you weren't caught in an explosion he just tackled you over and you're on the ground wait sorry what you're very confused two things happened simultaneously one of them was the trap door was was trapped uh and an explosion went off and and the other thing that happened was you weren't caught in the explosion you were tackled to the side and you were uh, not affected by the trap sick both of those things happened yeah, okay, um, so I'm assuming Amity's on top of me. He rolls off pretty quickly, and his body's so frail that, like, he kind of hurt himself a little bit just making that move. I was going to say, you're, you're okay, right, Amity? Yeah, it's a, uh, oh, I'm not great at, uh, physical movement anymore. How old are you? Uh, I'm 199, I think I told you that already. Yeah, sorry, I forgot about that. Should we, should we go down here? Okay. Uh, so he goes back and uh, lifts up the door. It's not a, like a room to climb down to. It's just a compartment. Like oh, it's okay. a little like safe sized compartment. But it's actually it's actually empty. Aww. Like aside from the bomb that went off, there's nothing in here. Uh, and Amni punches the floor and he damn him. I use a lot of electrum to get in here, and it's the same all over town. Marvelous's stashes are all empty. Wait, why are you looking through Marvelous's stashes? When you stockpile a resource like electrum. Why split it up and keep it in different places? So that if you happen to be at the place, you have access to a, a load of that thing? But also so that it can't be stolen. Mm. You oh. can't grab all of it at once. Fair. But given that you might have taken that measure, why would you then bring it all together? To use it all at once? Mm. That's right. Uh, 
Okay. I fear Mr. Marvelous is about to make his move. <laughs> I fear I'm about to leave this continent. We should be very wary of what happens next. Oh, dear God. Uh, roll me a perception check. 14. You hear a dog barking uh, in the background. And Anansi uh, looks at you and he says, um, that's us. Time to be scarce. May I? And he holds out his hand to you. Oh, yeah, sure. And he grabs Amity's hand. You feel an odd wrenching sensation in your stomach uh, and your vision becomes a blur. Uh, and then you're back outside, uh, crouched on a bench, a hundred feet or so away from where Yumiya city guards are approaching the same door that you and Amity just broke into. Interesting. I'm like rubbing my eyes because I'm like, oh, what the hell was that? Oh, um, that was a cool trick. Hmm. Yeah, it's a it's called Dimension Door. It's a pretty very cool, pretty fun little spell. Thanks for the alarm, Mole. You watch the guards force their way into the space, um, and Amnity pulls out that L-shaped tube that you've seen him breathe into before. Mm-hmm. He takes a deep breath and kind of stretches out an ache in his arm. You um, you did good work today, and I expect the same from you in the future. Absolutely. Happy mm. to work with you guys again. You guys mm. are so cool. <laughs> he slowly, painfully stands up, and his knees crack a little as he stands, uh, and he says, um, I'll... Uh, I'll be in touch. Thank you for your help. Look after yourself, though, because you do seem a bit, you know, roughened up this time. I was born with the ability to alter timelines, and it. he, like, looks at his hand and he says, um, takes a bit of a penalty on me. I'm just like, what? Take it easy, Idafa. <laughs> that little threat. And with that, he walks off with Mole at his heels, and he looks down and says something to the dog, which your earring translates for you as you as he walks out of earshot. He just says, it looks like we're going to have to go and see her. <laughs> Idafa, you've leveled up. Woo! So you're now uh, level 11. Are you taking another level uh, in Rogue? Uh, yeah, definitely. I'm just sticking with the Rogue till the very end. Rogue in it. <laughs> yeah, I'm Rogue in it. I don't get into real changes except... You get a, uh, I think you get a class ability this time from your subclass? Well, I got something that says creatures have disadvantage reverse my spells when I'm hidden. Yeah, so that's called magical ambush. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, which means that you can now cast spells uh, as a stealth move if you want to. Mm, nice. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That is cool. Frankie. Yep. It's a couple of days uh, after Karen's dinner party, and you're working away in your preferred workshop. Are you at home, or are you at your hidden JBPC workshop? I'm at the hidden one, because that one's just a little bit better supplied, because I'm totally not using work resources. (laughs) And uh, you have a visitor. All the way from Exignia, Quisp the Gnome has come to visit you in the city. Quisp! Oh, Quisp, my old friend. Uh, before we get to what's happening in the workshop, what have the two of you gotten up to while they're visiting? I would have shown Quisp, like, everything. Like, everything. Like, okay, this is the supply closet where I cry. <laughs> this is the lunchroom where I cry. Uh, this is my house where I cry. And, like, I would have just been taking them to, like, all of my favorite spots. Where like, you cry? Where I cry. Yeah. Also, like, all the library. And then show them the uni. Did you take them to Murphy's? Yes. Just, you know. This, so just, this is my boyfriend's shop. <laughs> this is my boyfriend's shop. It's fine. It's cool. It's whatever. And yeah, I just would have just been literally being tour guide, 
showing them all the places that I think they might like as well. Like, okay, this is, uh, the shop sells actually really cool gizmos and gadgets. It's like a secondhand, like, shop. Yeah, yeah. Like, I find all this really cool stuff here. And, you know, just taking them around, showing them a nice time. Of course. So that was the what you've been up to for maybe the last two or three days. Mm-hmm. Chris came to visit you pretty quickly after the dinner party. Uh, and the two of you are working in your secret lab together on something that you've been corresponding about for almost the entire time you've known each other, which is you're trying to modify your gun. Yes. What I'm imagining is that you've got uh, goggles on that make your eyes look really huge. You've mm-hmm. got your goggles of minute seeing mm-hmm. uh, and you're coming at it with like really, really long tweezers. Yep. Uh, and Quisp is kind of sitting off like a, sitting on a bench nearby uh, and they're like, a, hey, so uh, this thing sent you flying to a different plane, huh? Yes, it did. Uh, so why are we missing about with it again? For science. Like, wouldn't it be amazing to be able to harness that power? What if we were able to do this, but on purpose? So uh, tell me a little bit more about what happened when you used it. You said all the electrum in the area went bonkers. What do you think that was? I, I don't know. I think it might have been to do with just... Maybe it's because, like, Electrum isn't what we think it is. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, actually. Because the, the place that you went to, the little yellow and red fish thing, right? Yes. One of them got you back here. Yes, and I haven't been able to figure it out. And he looks up, uh, and there's, like, a wall um, behind Crisp of just papers and drawings and little strings connected to other pieces of paper. And he's like, like the math isn't mathing. That's right, because like it makes you wonder what electrum really is, because the green works the same as the red. One thing I figured out a long time ago, mucking about with inventions, things work consistently, <laughs> right? Even magic has rules, cause, effect, systems. Could it be that electrum and those little wiggly things are the same thing? That's what I was Ooh. thinking, because electrum, like you said, everything's consistent. But one thing I found is not consistent, organic matter. Mm. What if Electrum is somehow alive? Mm. That is an interesting thought. Oh, look. Uh, and you managed to like click the last little uh, gadget that you're working on into place. Okay, so what I'm doing here is I'm going to make what I'm calling bullets. And each one is going to... Or I'm going to try and do it so that it could produce a different effect because you know sometimes you need to kill something and sometimes you need to kill something but in a grander scale so can you go ahead and you because you've got quisp here to help you can you please roll me a uh, arcana check uh with advantage that is a 17. yeah i think that's a success so frankie uh you have now obtained uh, a new artificer spell uh focus so my new focus is a weapon that can be used as a substitute for any set of tools for casting artificial spells. A spell cast using, I'm not going to say the name yet, has a plus one to attack rolls and can add 1d6 force damage to the total damage dealt by the spell if the spell bonus was applied. Yeah, so basically you can shoot spells extremely hard now yes. to the point that you can add 1d6 force damage to any of your spells with attack rolls on them. Yes, that's right. And it's so cool. And what are you calling it? I am calling it a BB gun. 
which stands for Black Magic Blaster Gleaming Unilateral Neutralizer. <laughs> oh my god, I love it! I love it! Yes. So, Quisp uh, and Frankie uh, take turns practicing with the gun. And it's a good thing you soundproofed your lab and then later fireproofed it uh, before uh, Quisp goes a little quiet. Hey, so I was digging around in my dad's old stuff and I wondered if I might be able to find something to uh, help you out. And I found this. Uh, wondering if you might make, be able to make any sense of it. Um, and Quisp hands you a torn out page uh, from a notebook. Ooh, Why read don't it out you loud. Go ahead and describe it to us. <laughs> read it out loud in the podcast. <laughs> okay. Steph has got a fascinated okay. look on their face right now. Ooh. So, trying to describe this, it looks like a cutaway diagram of something. Something. It's a cross section diagram of something. Cross section diagram of something. There's something that is, a part of it is spongy but it's different super compact there's a bunch of uh, notes with arrows pointing at different pieces of it yeah there's there's yeah, it's, it's labeled quite nicely but also not like nothing is like this is an elbow for example it's like this is a super hardened vessel which and this is a paradox and just read out the uh, labels to me one at a time okay so we have super hardened vessels we have extreme density. You can't see my face, but I pulled a face. Uh, magically, or yet magically non-existent. Usually spongy. Why is this different? Super compact. And next to it, it says, this is a paradox. With a globe and an X on a landmass. Uh, and a circle. It's, it's circled a pile of something next to a tree. And on top of it, it says... Is the chronoscar? The chronoscar. Chronos, like time. Yes. Hmm. And Quisp uh, says to you, um, look, I got no idea what any of this means, but I thought maybe it might come in handy for you. Thank you. Is that an identifiable landmass on the globe? You can't ask that question because ah! you haven't seen this yet. Yeah. <laughs> Is that an identifiable... Uh, identifiable landmass on the globe uh roaming intelligence check (laughs) that's an 11 the thing is is that i think it is more about the planet because Mm. the landmasses don't look familiar to you it's probably more about the the planet itself yes okay that makes sense yeah strange yet fascinating so Frankie, it's later in the day, you're back home and you're preparing for bed in the same way you have every night since you returned from Tarago Nook. Frankie in his head likes to imagine like things are flying to him and he's putting them on and he's just like, yeah, pajama on, nightcap on, slippers on. A little uh, mask comes to like a little <laughs> sleeping mask over your eyes. Yeah. You like touch a little wooden bird that you've enchanted to play rain noises. Yeah. And you've like... Yeah. You've got like an extra couple of blankets. You've mm. got a nice little weighted blanket. Yeah, he sprays some like lavender extract on his pillow. <laughs> He's like sleep mode activate, and he just like face plants into the into the bed. Frankie's all tucked up and ready to go fishing for bluebirds. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a bit more than a week at this point. While you're certainly more rested than usual each morning, uh, you've had no luck up until now. Uh, you slowly drift into a slight slumber, but soon you get up frustrated that you can't seem to dream tonight 
You walk out of your room and down the sideways stairs to the kitchen where you pour a glass of water from the petrified goose you keep next to the pile of slowly mutating corpses in the corner. You stare up at the infinitely spiraling ceiling in exasperation, wondering when answers will come to you. We didn't have this goose here before. It's a it's a nice water jug, I guess? Oh, yes, it's just a water jug. And you realise that, like, the person who just complimented your water jug is in fact a little bluebird. Oh. Who's sitting uh, on the, your kitchen bench. There's a skull with horns on it, but one of the horns has been kind of filed down, and he's sitting on the other horn. Oh, oh. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I think it was a gift from my... Hey, wait a minute! <laughs> Where have you been? Wait, you remember me? Of course I do. Oh, that's weird. People don't usually remember me. Oh, yeah, no, I, I think about you all the time. I've told all my friends about you and no one believes me. Or maybe they do. Wait, do you know who I am? Yes. Are you... You're, you're Dalton, right? Oh, shit. Uh, he starts flying around a bit panicked. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then after a moment, he settles and he's like, Okay, usually if people know who they're talking to, they tend to wake up pretty quickly. That's that's right. I'm I'm Delton, God of Dreams. I used to I used to have another name, but it's so hard to remember now. Time and something? I don't know. Anyway, this is a pretty weird dream. Are you okay? Yeah. I mean, I've been trying to summon you for a while. Oh, you need to stop trying to control your dreams or you'll wake up. Oh. Okay. Just let it flow naturally. Trust me, I, I know what I'm talking about. Okay. Frankie says that, and then he like, just takes off his slippers because he feels like that's him uncontrolling his dream. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> they grow little legs and like crawl away. Uh, I hope I find those later. Anyway, man, some stuff has been happening, and I'm hoping maybe you can you can help us. Like, what's going on? Like, what is this? And he gestures... Oddly, to where he thinks uh, his uh, like wall of notes would be, because he hung up. His, and it, it appears, you know, yeah, like, as, you, as you think of it. What is this? It appears to be the work of a madman. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you got me there. So wrong. I do get a little angry sometimes. He, he doesn't actually oh. connect there. He's like, yeah, I do get mad sometimes, but like. <laughs> Time? Does this have anything to do with Electrum? And does this have anything to do with what happened to Magic? And Ed Ido's parents? And the academic? And like, he's he's saying all these things expecting Dalton to actually know what the hell he's talking about. Look, we can hang out and rant if you want to, but we've probably got a few minutes before your dream starts like breaking down, so I can answer some questions for you, or we can just kind of shout words if that's what you want to do. You could shout words ice if cream. it's the answer. No, like damn. A bunch of ice cream Dalton's, Dalton's a little bit sassy, huh? <laughs> he is. a little bit sassy. I'm really sorry. Look, I've been trapped it. in people's dreams for like 150-something years. And it's it's a harrowing existence. Because if someone wakes up while I'm in their dream, I might disappear. So, like, I got to, like, really make sure that I'm hopping from thing to thing. It's, um... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's pretty frightening. Frankie shook. 150 years. So like the same like time ish. that like everything happened, all oh, the gods disappeared, but you're you're still here. Yeah, I can't go back to the plane of the gods for some reason. Like I used to like to dreamwalk and like give people advice and you know do my job, you know, like appear in people's dreams and help them out and make them feel okay. And then one day I was doing it and I just couldn't go back, and <sighs> so I've just been stuck dream hopping. You, that's how you survived the massacre, I assume. Hang on, what? I mean, oh my god! I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I don't know if it's a massacre, but some stuff happened. Are you not aware? 
look, I've been dream hopping, so like it's hard to really tell what's real and what's in people's imaginations. But I know what happened like before. And he sits down and what? Well, I lived a whole lifetime studying dreams, like, you know, how to, you know, control them and, you know, like lucidity and interpreting them. I think that's a word. I'm fascinated by the subconscious mind. And so what do you think that means? And he like points above your head and there's like an enormous galaxy sized red and yellow swirl, like angrily swirling around above you. And he's like, that's kind of frightening that it's hanging over your head. Are you okay? PTSD. Uh, yeah, uh, that's, that's what we're trying to figure out. Like I'm okay physically, but I think it's to do with Electrum and all of this that has to do with what's Electrum. Uh, it's, it he pulls out his gun. But just start spilling gun. blue coins out yeah, of it. Yeah, this is... Like a slot machine. Yeah, it's it's what we use to sort of generate our magic. Um, Wait, you can't just cast magic? No, not anymore. But when... Before I was here, everyone could just do spells. Can I have a look at that? And he like flies over and lands on the Electrum coin. This is kind of new, isn't it? Yes. This is what I'm trying to figure out. It's all connected. You, th- When the, the magic disappeared and the gods left. And I wonder if this has anything to do with those god-killing crusaders. I think so. I, wa- I witnessed that. I witnessed at least one. It was the goddess of the harvest? That was the first one. Yes. It seemed like a pretty horrid affair. Somewhere kind of far away, you can hear like a deep rumbling. And the edges of your dream mm-hmm. are starting to shake a little bit. And he looks over and he's like, okay, we've only got a couple of minutes. And he opens a little portal. Uh, and, and on the other side of the portal, you can see a classroom and hear some people laughing about someone who didn't wear pants. No. <laughs> and he's like, all right, I'll leave you here. Just one thing. Do you know a guy called Master Speck? Yes. Don't trust him. He is not who he says he is. Do not trust that monstrosity in the cloak that he travels with. No. Oh, shit. I'm sorry, I gotta go. And your dream starts, like, crumbling in from all sides. <laughs> um, right as the bluebird, like, escapes out the little portal into the classroom. Oh, phew, he got out. And you kind of lay in bed with your eyes closed for a minute. Uh, and you realize you can still hear that rumbling. Mm. Oh. And you open your eyes and you realize that it's Quisp just snoring on your floor. Oh, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, oh, phew. It wasn't just an earthquake. Mm, I gotta talk to them about that. that. That doesn't seem healthy, but anyway. <laughs> Frankie, you've leveled up. Yay! So you're now Artificer level 11. That is excellent, and I'm so excited. Pretty uh, simple level up this, uh, this time around. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Yes. When it loads, which actually is really good how it coincides with the weapon I got because um, I now get a spell storing item. So at 11th level, I learn how to store a spell in an object. Whenever I finish a long rest, I can touch a simple or martial weapon or one item that I can use as a spell casting focus, and I store a spell in it, choosing a first or second level spell from the artificial list that requires one action to cast. 
I think it also doesn't have to be one that you've prepared, right? Like it can be one you yeah, don't know. You yeah, you need to oh, have it prepared. So yeah, so that coincides quite nicely with yeah my new spellcasting focus. Pretty yeah. cool, nice little ability that you've. Yeah, got. so mm-hmm. that's that's me. And Frankie just jumps up and also goes to the bathroom because he's like, you know what? I'm I'm awake. I better go while I'm awake. You certainly got some things to think about. Yes, I do. Penny here. Just a couple of announcements and then we'll finish up the episode. A heads up that this will be our last episode for a couple of months. I will be working on the Yes and Charity stream, which goes live for 24 hours in the last weekend of August. And then we'll be back with the last stretch of the show. Not going to spoil anything right here, but if you keep an eye on our socials, I will announce the next episode release at the beginning of September. In the meantime, check out Yes and Charity stream on all the socials for what me and a bunch of cool Kiwi people are working on until then. Thank you very much to our patrons over on Patreon for their donations. James Courtright, Samsara, Waffles Loves You and is Hoping You Have a Good Day, Claire McDonald, Jules Bergesser, Violet, Shabna Lee, Alex Moore, Lyndon Hood, Jesse Wesson, Disturbed One NZ, Andrew Evans, Luna Chris and William Evans. You guys have really held us up over the last year and I so appreciate it. If you're curious about our bonus content, including that little handout that Frankie just got in the last scene, or you'd like to become a supporter of the Terrible Adventures of the Janice and Breffitt's Parchment Company, go check out patreon.com slash jbpcpodcast to become a supporter for just a few bucks a month. Music credits, thanks to Brian Bolger for Black Mass and Switched On Karkasi, DivKid for Commander Impulse, Nathan Moore for Diving In Backwards, Asha Falero for Forest Lullaby, Diala for ILY Baby, Esther Abrami for Number 2 Remembering Her, Track Tribe for Lawrence, God Mode for Melancholia, Mini Vandals for Lobe and Out On My Skateboard, Telecasted for Riding Into The Sun, and Unicorn Heads for The Stoic and The Sailor. On a personal note from me, thank you everyone for sticking with us for this long. I'm really, really proud that we got to our 50th episode and that we've been able to tell this story in our own time and in our own way. Uh, Special thanks to Steph, Liz, Poppy and Nate for just being the most flexible and fun players I could have asked for for this project. The final stretch of the show will be three more huge arcs, so I hope you'll come back and join us as we wrap up everything from September, probably through to 2024. Thanks again for being here. Flynn, you've been feeling kind of restless since you arrived back in New City. You can feel a buzz in the air and it's enough to keep you constantly looking over your shoulder. Hmm. Maybe it's this agitation that makes you feel relieved one day uh, on the train home. Someone sits down next to you and starts reading a newspaper and you hear that person say, don't react. I got something that uh, I need you to see. Oh. If you're available, just fiddle with your briefcase. Flynn fiddles with his briefcase. It just clicks open like... Uh, there's no reaction uh, from the mysterious newspaper reader, <laughs> but uh, at the next stop, they quickly roll up their paper and proceed to the exit. You hear like a little chirp from Flynn's hat. <laughs> you should follow. Oh yes, I follow. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, you follow the person off the train and off the platform, past some guards and down the stairs to the main street. You're still in the West District and not too far away from where Ace Alley used to be. <laughs> um, you follow a bit further uh, when suddenly Murphy catches up from behind you. 
he puts his hand on on your back uh, and he says, um, Dad, a boy. Keep it on going now. What? And you look ahead and you realize that the person you've been following is actually Lyran the Goose Boy, who's wearing like a like a cloak and a hat so that he <laughs> kind of looks like Murphy. Nice. He nods slightly and he slinks away. <laughs> and Murphy's like, yeah, don't worry about him. Normally I try to give you your space, but this is kind of urgent. Things don't sit on the shelf at the Marquet Obsidian, so um, you're going to have to walk with me, okay? Wait, I don't understand what you said, but yes, I'm walking. I'm walking. The Marquet of Obsidian? Yeah, it's a competing business. Don't worry, it kind of sucks, but they, you'll see, you'll see. Ooh. And so Murphy's walking really briskly, but for you with such short legs, you have to really bustle to keep <laughs> up with him. We don't get too many opportunities to just chat, do we? Yeah. You're an Onagon, right? Yes, yes I am, yeah. What's it like being the son of old Fledgewick? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an honor, but there's a lot, there's a lot of, uh, it's it's draining. It's draining. It's draining. He like kind of answers, and then he, and then he's like, "Hey, hang on. How do you? I mean, I know that they're well known, but how do you know them?" Dude, he's a weapons dealer, and we ain't at war. I don't know him personally, but we run in similar circles. Does my dad sell to the black market? Look, here's the thing about being a businessman. You know it as well as I do. You gotta keep pushing wins, and people get in the way of that. I'm surprised he even had a kid. The way he hustles. Yeah, that kind of fits. <laughs> Hold on, this is us. Oh, okay, what is what is this place? Murphy walks up to a random brick wall and just leans against it casually. Um, he gestures you to do the same. <gasps> okay, he, he like he copies and he like crosses his little arms over his like chest so he's like looking cool. <laughs> Across from you there's like a mural. And it's, it's on a brick wall as well. And you notice some of the, the bricks in the wall across from you begin to shift. And what looked like a painted tunnel turns into a real tunnel when the bricks all like pull back <gasps> a little bit. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it's kind of amateur in terms of presentation, but whatever. Does the job. Come on. Amateur. You walk to the tunnel and it stairs down. Uh, and you walk down the stairs. Uh, and after a few rotations of like spiral stairs, you can see this big underground market full of like shops, stalls, booths, all of them selling something shady or illegal. <laughs> Flynn's head's like going like, like as he takes roll, it all. Roll me a perception check. A 10. Yeah, not a lot. You see a couple of stalls <laughs> selling Warforge parts. You can see uh, both blue and green Electrum for sale. Oh. And you can see spell scrolls. Ooh. And there also seems to be like a fashion store that exclusively sells cheese cutter hats and suspenders. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that explains it. You hit the bottom of the stairs and um, two muscular tieflings uh, in black suits move to stand in front of you. Um, but Murphy doesn't stop walking. He's just like, he's with me. <laughs> And you got to keep walking with Murphy, but one of the tieflings puts a hand on your shoulder and Murphy sees this and comes back and puts his face right <laughs> in the guard's face. And he says, did I stutter? <laughs> I said he's with me. And Flynn's like, yeah. <laughs> but he's like, his little heart's like pumping. He's like, oh my God, this is so illegal. And a high pitched voice cuts through beyond the guards. You can't be too careful these days, Murphy, darling. A simple vouch just isn't enough anymore. Oh my god, I love her. What the f- What the- <laughs> And a lavishly dressed gnome approaches from behind the guards, tiptoeing in like high-heeled shoes and positively dripping with overly manicured style. Oh crap, I just wrote, describe an outfit that makes Janison seem straight. Can you guys help me dress this gnome? <laughs> they have a- Sequins? Obviously, sequins. yeah, tons of sequins. Um, but they have a headdress yeah. that mm. has 
bedazzled peacock feathers. Beautiful. Mm. I'm going to say a pair of pants where both of the legs are different colors and different patterns. So one of them's like yellow with red polka dots and the other one's like pink and purple, like crisscrossing diamonds. Yep. Like colored koala deville. Yeah, and like yeah. a huge train. Yeah. Oh, a huge train. Yes, huge absolutely. Train. I want to say uh, facial hair that like goes really long and is like plaited into different patterns as it gets further down. Um, and just no eyebrows. No eyebrows. Of yeah. course not. Bald. Yeah. Bald headdress. Big long beard. Yeah. And it has a uh, color gradient and it goes from red by the mouth all the way down to like a pale, yeah. pale orange at the bottom. Oh, yeah. Steph, anything to add? I was going to say with the headdress, with the bedazzled peacock feathers, like it's an actual peacock <gasps> yes. that is just alive and just, you know, chilling. <gasps> just like, sitting, like, like, you know, I'm just chilling. A miniature yep. peacock just yeah. sitting yeah. on this person's <laughs> like, head. It's and it's also leave, wearing a little hat. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it doesn't want it because it has a matching hat. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's living. <laughs> it's also <laughs> best life. I'm the proprietor of this here Marquee Obsidian and you are new. We don't allow ruffians, you see. No violence in the Marquee at all. That's the rule. I'm afraid to gain entry. You must answer me. These riddles three. <laughs> oh my God. And Murphy cuts in and he's super annoyed and he's like, look, Northwest, fire, and the cleric was the boy's mother. It's the same three riddles every time. Jackass. <laughs> And he puts his arm around your like shoulder flint and just like leads you in past the guards and the disappointed gnome. And he's like, I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> and Flynn's like, nice to meet you. <laughs> I, I like your-, your pants. <laughs> <laughs> that person's intense. Yeah. Intensely dressed. In every way. It's so unprofessional. I would have liked to have heard the riddles though, just to, just to heard them. Your DM didn't write any. The whole point was that <laughs> I was supposed to answer them. <laughs> Love it. You and Murphy continue through the Marquee Obsidian at a fairly brisk pace. Roll me a perception check, Flynn. Flynn's like, so what's your favourite stall here? Eight. So you're, you know, walking <laughs> along and you notice one of the ends of the Marquee Obsidian is like, there's people repairing, like it seems like it's caved in at some point and people are like <laughs> repairing it. Oops. Given that you're not far away from Ace Alley, it's probably related to the collapsed uh, arena that you were in once. You are you walking around looking at this stuff, and you're you're asking Murphy about his favorite stalls, and then you walk straight into the leg of Mr. Marvelous. Oh my God! Of course I do. And you like bump into him, and you step back, and you realize who it is. He's like, "Do you mind?" Oh, do it's, you? It's you. I didn't realize they let rats into the Marquee these days. Oh, it's okay. I'm sure you're fine here. Mr. Marvelous is wearing a uh, like an emerald green suit, and he's puffing on an awfully smelly cigar. Oh. Um, he's standing in front of a, a like a counter of like a store called the Chop Shop, <laughs> um, and he takes a watermelon-sized brown paper parcel off the counter and takes a deep puff on his cigar. And he crouches down, and he gets in your face, and he's like, "Oh, I would love the chance to gut you, pest, but there's strictly no violence in the market. You got lucky." And I got places to be. Okay, good chat. <laughs> nice suit. And you, McSol. Murphy McSol. I heard you were on the level, but uh, you're working with this pest, huh? I guess that makes you a rat too. Maybe there's some credence to this rumor that I've been hearing that you were recently seen entering the Imperial Palace. Hmm. And Murphy's like, I don't know what you're talking about, bub. I'm just here to do business, same as you. Beat it. (laughs) 
Mr. Marvelous is like kind of like impressed a little bit. He's like, well, look at the stones on you. Perhaps I touched a nerve. Maybe you're just jealous that you can't con the palace like this guy can. Mm. I'll see you out there, Mr. Onagon. And just like that, Mr. Marvelous and his little entourage of goons leave. And he knows your name. Oh, yeah. Mm. How do they know my name? How do you guys know my name? I don't wear my badge when I'm out. Oh, and he like... He's <laughs> <laughs> just like badge on his briefcase. So like, land, you're just like... Oh, shit. <laughs> Murphy also wants to visit the chop shop. Uh, and he asks to look at the back at the special merchandise. And so you're led into the back where the temperature is a lot lower. It's like a chilled room. And the creepy butcher type worker uh, leads you to a large table with a cloth draped over it. And uh, they say, no aggling, fixed price only, <laughs> uh, says the butcher, who then pulls the cloth off the table. Roll me a nature check. Oh my gosh, I'm not rolling very well. Nine. Flynn, it takes a second to realize what you're looking at. Like, it takes a little longer than you're proud of to realize what <laughs> you're looking at. But when you do, your heart skips a beat. Mm. Laying across this table are scales, teeth, claws, wing leather, and haunting red eyeballs. Oh my god. Is, is, that, is that my red dragon? Dragon parts, all carved up, are being sold in the criminal underworld. Uh, Fero's final resting place, desecrated by the black market of Yumiya City. I mean, it fits, but that's pretty depressing. Flynn, you've leveled up. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Happy! <laughs> uh, so, pretty, pretty easy, short level up for you. This level, I believe you uh, gain one main advantage. Is that right? Yes, I get uh, one level six spell. My first Ooh. level six. So we were just talking earlier about what spell you were going to choose. Have you made your decision? <laughs> that was a secret. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I was stuck between two spells, the find the path or the dancing, Otto's dancing or something rather. But I think I'm going to go for the find the path. Okay, interesting. Um, so I'm going to allow a little bit of bending to this spell because it's a six level spell. Um, so I'm going to let you use it to find people, um, but with a caveat that like you have to own something of theirs and it'll only take you to the last place that they were in for a long time. So it won't take you to where they're moving around to their exact location. But what you might be able to find out is, for example, where they last slept mm -hmm. if you're looking for a person. And Flynn particularly chose this because he would like to ask the party for an item from each of them that they've held for a long time or is very obviously theirs so that if uh, any of them are in trouble, they can help the other one. That makes quite, sense. Yeah, That's it's quite loyal to his Lovely. <laughs> nice. He doesn't want the away team to be away. <laughs> Karen. Yes. You're at work. Concentrating hard on your task at hand. Things always get knuckle down busy in the winter. Uh, so you barely flinch uh, when Darlene approaches you unexpectedly. Uh, excuse me, Mrs. Stonecutter, but your meeting in conference room B is all ready for you. Thank you so much, Darlene. Roll me an inside check. Natural one. Seems legit. Cool. Yay. Maybe you forgot that you had a meeting. Mm. It's been very busy, but she doesn't She doesn't show that to Darlene. She's like, thank you, Darlene. So Darlene walks with you to conference room B, uh, and upon entering the room, 
you see sitting a little pushed back from the head of the table, dressed in a grand robe with his blonde hair shining and his facial features ever perfect. Master Speck waiting expectantly. <laughs> ah, it's your favorite, isn't it? To his left, uh, the person sitting in the dark cloak sits unmoving. And from behind you, Darlene walks into the room as well and takes a seat to Speck's right, dropping the illusion of the company secretary to reveal Poet, dressed in his usual white suit and bowler hat. Poet. Master Speck gestures at a seat near you further down the board table, just like a random one along the sides. You have my attention. Please take a seat, Mrs. Stonecutter. I take a seat opposite him. At the very end of the table? Yeah. Yeah, hell yeah, perfect. <laughs> he stares at you for a little while, just kind of taking you in. After you successfully slayed a dragon, and well done, by the way, I can see that you and I may one day stand on equal ground. I wanted to get a proper gauge of you to see whether you're an ally or an enemy. Well, good news. I've wanted to get a gauge of you for a while as well to see exactly the same thing. I want Let's you to talk. tell me as often as you want to, like to roll insights and stuff. So you can you you can push this as much as you want cool. to. Yeah. You and yours have allied yourselves with the Empire. The Empire that had my mentor executed. You will excuse me if I withhold trust for the time being. That's fair. It's not like I trust you either. <laughs> I will offer you an olive branch today. You need information, and I can provide it. And in return, I ask only one small thing of you, Mrs. Stonecutter. And what is that, Master Speck? You must fire Idafer Belsa. <gasps> Interesting. And why must I do that? Roll me a persuasion check. Oh my god. Ten. He's very, like, composed. And he just says, He deserves better than cleaning your waist. I mean, he not wrong, but, you know. <laughs> Gotta start somewhere. I'm not setting him loose to the wolves. Do you want information or don't you? Hmm. This is my cost. I'm interested in what information you think you can possibly give me at this point. He just sits and he waits. For as long as it takes for you to either say you will or say you won't. And what if I say I will? Then I will answer your questions. Any question I have? Some. Mm. I will tell you what I know. Let us, let us call this little room a zone of truth for the time being. Okay. I will do what I can. What is in my power? He smiles to himself, because he knows that's all he's getting out of you. <laughs> <laughs> Once upon a time, I was recruited by a woman named Usaya Jet to help kill the gods. I suspect you know this already. I know you were there as a young child. That's right. There was a harvest god. That was a long time ago, but that is right. That's the first one we ever killed. Why? Because they needed to go. Before we acted, mortals were trapped beneath the thumb of the selfish and the greedy. If you didn't worship, you were punished. And if you did worship, you were exploited. You were manipulated. You were used. We changed that. We fixed the world. And he looks around the boardroom at the paintings and the logos. And he says, 
And then you all turned around and enslaved one another instead. <laughs> you exchanged the gods for the rich, and the rich told you it was all Usaya's fault. She saved you, and you killed her for it. Hmm. I wanted to tell you, Mrs. Stonecutter, that the man who held your amulet before you was a Goliath named Wilhelm. He was one of the fiercest, most relentless, most terrifying warriors I have ever seen in combat. And the reason that you hold that amulet in the first place, the reason that you can even have it, is because I killed him. Insight roll. Yeah, roll me insight. 22. He is not lying. Mm. I killed him with my own two hands. And the same goes for your friends. I outsmarted Brum the Wizard. I sunk Umbria Sol's ship, and I watched her drown and burn at the same time. And when Prince Sixandrius cowered behind his people, it helped him none. And Usaya? The Empire killed Usaya. Insight oh, check. Yeah, go. Yeah. 15. He is not lying. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I shed tears for Usaya. She was my hero. Was she the first? Or did you betray the rest of them before anybody else? She died first. And then I decided that I wanted to make things better. Hmm. And when Usaya's followers would not help me, I took what I needed from them. And somehow, they ended up with you. You're welcome. First of all, rude. (laughs) (laughs) Must spec. I don't think you've saved the world. I don't think you've done the things that you thought you have. I think you've just plunged us into a different kind of slavery. One that you don't even know exists. You're killing us all. And I'm here to stop you. Was there a question coming? How do you live with yourself? You sleep at night. (laughs) (laughs) How do you sleep at night knowing that you are Matt Zemler's butcher? When I was a child, I was recruited for a cause. Again, still. As it turned out, that cause had unintended consequences. Mm -hmm. But what do you think I'm doing right now? I think you're trying to make it worse. (laughs) He, like, goes to talk and then, like chuckles to himself and like closes his mouth again and he like reaches up and touches his face and kind of like wipes um underneath his eye a little bit but there's no like you don't see any tears he's just it's a little weird it's a little strange (laughs) and then he reaches his palm out towards like a bottle of water on the table and it levitates and like tips a little bit of water into a into a glass some spills a little bit and then the bottle comes down and then the glass like picks itself up and floats over toward him he doesn't catch it with his regular hand the the floating glass just like tilts a little bit next to his mouth so that he can sip it and then it levitates back down to the table next to him so extra (laughs) (laughs) just use your hand (laughs) this world is broken master spec i'm aware and you are doing nothing to help. And neither are you, as far as I can tell. You don't know what I'm doing. I know that you are coming into my place of work. You are demanding that I fire my employees. You are disrespecting my private life. Shut up. I hate people like you. 
You don't like me, but I don't like you either. You're perfectly happy to live with your rich husband and your spoiled children in the city, surrounded by people who will suffer. What have you done to help the slums? Nothing. You've done plenty to help the empire though, haven't you? The emperor benefits from your existence where the tieflings and the poor and those in the south do not. You're playing with the big kids now, Mrs. Stonecutter. I'm here to tell you in no uncertain terms. Do not fuck with me. Do not disrespect me. Do not stand in my way. And in return, I will offer you these same courtesies. Good. Master Speck, how many gods did you kill? Your little patent. Enough. Maybe 30, maybe more. There are many, many more, but we never got a chance to get our hands on them. Hmm. And what you're doing now, the way that you're raising yourself up, gaining power, is that so you can get the rest of them? I'm going to fix this world once and for all. I don't like the way that you said that. It's like you're going to fix a dog. You're not an owner. You're a resident. You do well to remember that, Master Speck. You're just the same as the rest of us, really. You and the common folk have showed me that when you are handed the world, you will turn on one another. So I'll fix it for you. You sound like a dictator, you know. (laughs) Don't you? (laughs) Me, actually. I've had quite enough of your snarky little hmms, your silly little oohs, and the way that you purport to have power and influence over everybody else. Master Speck, you are not respectable. And I do not respect you. And I do not accept you as my dictator. Because that is what you're trying to be, Master Speck. You're trying to be a dictator, just like everybody else on this planet. You're as common as muck. And I hope you realize that. And Karen storms out of the room. You don't want to, like, that's it? Yeah, that's it. Okay. She just wanted to insult him. <laughs> she just wanted to insult him. Yeah, uh, after a few seconds, you receive a sending spell. Ugh. I do not care for liars, Mrs. Stonecutter. I will return here in 30 days. And if Idafa Belsa is still enslaved when I do, I will burn this place to the ground. Ooh, okay. How exciting. And you sit back down at your desk. And you're like wondering to, they never come out of the room. Mm. You don't see them get up and like leave and like sign out on their way out. <laughs> is Karen like shaken from the encounter? Is she like, Oh, absolutely. The reason that she stormed out is because uh, she couldn't really keep it in anymore. She was about to rage and jump over the table. And she was like, you know what? Not in the workplace. <laughs> Not in the workplace. <laughs> the, ma- the table is mahogany. <laughs> Karen, you've leveled up. Yay! Yay! What do you get as a level 11 barbarian? I It's a pretty simple level up. I get, although I do get something very fun, because now that I'm level 11, my rage can prevent me from being reduced to zero HP. <laughs> you get so angry that nice. you refuse to die. I, get, I can get so angry that I can literally refuse to die. <laughs> that is great. <laughs> The following weekend, the four of you meet up at Idafa's home. 
he lives closest to the centre circle. Uh, and you're walking together through the city, uh, heading for your usual shopping trip. Mm. You arrive at the plaza next to the centre circle, and instinctively, you freeze. Murphy's Honest Goods is swarming with guards, <gasps> who appear to be moving his regular stock of tools and sundries out into the street. I'm gonna, like, exclaim out loud, I'm gonna be like, <gasps> But this is where I get my potpourri! <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Exactly. What's going on? <laughs> the Popery Place. One of the human guards just tells you that uh, they're investigating an anonymous tip uh, that this store is supplying uh, illegal magic artifacts to the criminal underworld. Bitches. Oh, ridiculous. <gasps> what? Pish posh. Well, we can't find the owner anywhere or the store hand, so if you happen to see them, we just want to talk to them. We're just following up on this tip. Oh, we will, we will let you know if we see them, that's for sure. Please, please, this can't be... You can't just go into a person's store without even knowing where they are. This Ma'am, we're the Ymir City Guard. We're just doing our job. We're trying to keep you safe. Please I feel don't perfectly worry. safe in the store. Just move away from the crime scene. And it's once we're finished and we've spoken to the owner, it'll be open for you to use again. This is our this is the potpourri store. It's not a crime scene. I wonder if there's a bean search sale that will happen. I I want my shovel on sale. <laughs> Oh, actually, now that I think about it, potentially. Yeah, so let's go, guys, and then we can come back when they're finished and everything will be on sale. Sounds good. So you guys uh, move a little bit away? Yeah. Frankie would get out of earshot, or at least out of view of guards, and use the stone to be like, Murphy, are you okay? What's going on? Who's listening? Oh, did you lose track of your boyfriend? (laughs) I defer, now is not the time. It's always a good time, Karen. Murphy, it's just... Where the hell are you, Murphy? It's just us. It's just us. They're searching your store. Yeah, someone did the dirty on me and tipped off the guard. I think maybe the underworld labeled me a rat after I warned the A-sisters about the dragon. Can't imagine why they'd call you a rat. Oh, Oh my God. Look, they uh, they won't find the showroom. They won't find my books. But I gotta go dark for a little bit, so I can't tell you where I am. That's... Oh, that's such a shame, Murphy. Uh, should we get we'll give you a little time alone and uh karen's just kind of pull idafa and flynn away from frankie with the sending stone oh like time alone like them time alone like them time alone (laughs) hey francis (laughs) hey murphy he says in tears oh my god hey i'm uh i'm sorry I think maybe we won't see each other for a little while oh my god that's okay as long as i know you're okay i'll be all right I'm just gonna, uh, just gonna keep to myself for a little bit. You, um, you keep going, okay? I will, he says, and, like, eyes just welling up, and, yeah, he's a mess. <laughs> you guys are my favorite customers. You've saved my life a couple of times in my store, and I wouldn't be who I am today if I hadn't met you guys, so take it easy, okay? For you, I will. He's all, like, being heroic and wiping away his tears and no one sees him cry the winter sets in and with it rain and sleet and snow descend on you you get back into your regular lives but something feels different something feels off you find yourselves looking over your shoulders more often trusting new people at the office a little less you walk down darkened streets ready to summon your weapons at a moment's notice and you sleep lightly, cautiously, alert to danger and sounds. 
Flynn, one night not long after you meet up with Murphy, you wake to someone hammering on your door. You can barely hear anything over the hounding rain, so you listen for a moment more. Maybe it was just thunder. Maybe you just imagined it. <laughs> Welby crawls up on your shoulder, comforting himself against your neck, and a flash of lightning for a moment illuminates your room. Flynn, what do you do? Oh, okay. Assuming Nimbus isn't in the room with me. No, it's the middle of the night. Okay. I'm going to get up in my PJs uh, and wrap my robe around me. But I'm going to... I'm going to have a dagger out behind, like, just tucked into my dressing gown. Okay. Yeah. And I open the door. It's Cassie. (gasps) Oh, Cassie! Oh, oh my! She's out of breath and soaking wet and terrified. Uh Oh. And she says to you, Flynnvar... It's very bad. We need your help. salutations. I was supposed to ask you some riddles, but some spoil sport already solved them. So I'll just thank you for listening to the episode and remind you that you have nothing if you don't have style.